Okay, everybody, I have the distinct honor of uh, helping everybody after lunch stay fired up. Uh, and also probably talking about the most fearful topic that uh, we all have, which is money. Um, but how can you throw a transformation uh, boot camp and growth summit without the discussion of money? We have to talk about money. This is a business entrepreneurial environment. We must talk about scratch. Greenback, who's saying yay? Who's saying they want to talk about that? Way to go, gang. All right, all right. Dr. Kalani says it too. Uh, here's maybe why I'm the person to talk about this out of the BFS community. I wrote this book. This book came out last year. Uh, a lot of people who don't know about this book uh, think it has a lot of investment strategies in it, right? It thinks that I'm going to tell you how you're going to go ahead and uh, get rich vehicles and all of that sort of stuff. It has nothing to do with that at all. In fact, I, very, I talk very, very little about that stuff in this book. This book is a story of my brother-in-law, John. So raise your hand if you're familiar with this story. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. Uh, my brother-in-law, John, is my sweet wife, Rocky's only brother. And... Uh, John went to the doctor one day at 46 years old, married with four children, hardworking guy, and uh, just didn't feel good for a while and thought he was going to go get a shot and get back to work. And uh, instead of getting that shot, they sent him right to the emergency room. He was diagnosed that afternoon with stage four cancer, and he died almost one year to the day after that. And that rocked our world in 2015. Uh, you could not have loved someone more than Rocky loved her brother John. It was literally impossible. And so when I mention that to you, I just want you guys to take a minute because that story has played out in all of our lives. We know somebody that has been uh, taken from us too early. So I just take 30 seconds to just think about that person with good vibes and good energy. All right. So not only do we have the sadness of John getting sick and passing away, leaving a wife and four children, but John died without health insurance, without life insurance, and 100 bucks in the bank. This is a guy who busted his butt for 20-something years, and he died too early with nothing. That's the story of this book. How does it happen? How do we work our entire careers and have almost no money to show for it. And then the other side of the storyline is, well, what if you work really hard for the same period of time, and you actually do get your shit together with your money, and you have the power, not ego power, the financial power, the love power, to drop in and handle all of your loved one's bills during that period of time? Because that's what Rocky and I were able to do. We took care of all of it. That's unbelievable. When you see somebody who is dying, you know they're going to die. Stage four cancer for most of us is not a good diagnosis. When you see the guilt that's on that person's face of knowing what's about to happen, and you have the ability to drop in and say, don't worry about that piece, just get better, man, that's the ultimate check to write. So this book changed a lot of things in my life. 
And unfortunately, they weren't all positive. Here's the negative. Well, you guys like negative or positive first? What do you want to hear? Really, Teresa, it's, is that always like that with your husband? He always wants to hear the negative first, or what? <laughs> so here's the negative. This book hardened me. It did not soften my heart. This book hardened me. It made me realize that bad shit happens to good people. That people can be taken from us too damn early. That it's almost a lottery. It's a crapshoot. We really don't know how it's going to play out, so I better get my money right. The positive is that it put me on this wonderful journey to meet some amazing people. Got me to meet Tim Story. Got me to meet guys like Ed Milet. All these amazing guys that are on these social media accounts that everybody thinks they must just be these you know, these phantom people. You know what? Everybody farts, y'all. You got it? We're all the same people. I don't care whether Ed Milet has a jet. He lets one fly. Everybody is trying to do their best. They want to raise good families, man. We want to put a few bucks away. We want to treat our employees with respect and decency. Maybe we want to be known in our communities. We want to live good, productive lives. Whether they're above us or at our level, it doesn't matter. And that journey has been incredible for me to meet some of these people. But it doesn't solve the money problem in America. We have an epidemic in America. We are financially behind. The downside is most of us don't realize it. We live in what I call in this book, hashtag false positive. It's where we think we are actually doing better financially than we are. So let me give you a few data points. When I graduated college in 1991 to be in the top 1% of earners in America, you needed to make $100,000. Today that number is 384,000. But most of us are still thinking 100 grand is a lot of money. Right? Let me just get this out in the open for everybody. Here's how it plays out. We're entrepreneurs in this room. We want better businesses. Here's how it plays out. Life begins at $150,000 a year. Life gets better at $250,000. And life gets real good at $500,000. That's how it plays out. Okay? Life sucks at 50. You can't live a life on 50. Okay? Let's just get it out in the open. We need money. We need real businesses that throw off real profits or real careers that we learn to give lots of extra value to be able to eventually leverage the value to get paid, okay? I like to refer that to what Rico's boss, my friend RJ Grimshaw, calls intrapreneurship, right? Entrepreneurship is the ownership. Intrapreneurship is the new wave, trust me on this, after the next economic downturn, the new wave will not be entrepreneurship, it will be intrapreneurship. How do I use some entrepreneurial theories underneath somebody else's expense account, right? And so for those of you who work for an entrepreneur, maybe your entrepreneur boss brought you here, or you're gonna go back into your career as a entrepreneur, not as an entrepreneur, I want you to think about what I'm about to teach you. Everybody has the opportunity to bring more value to the organization, and if you're smart about it, do what I tell you in this book, leverage it to get paid. But it only happens when you understand the exchange of value. I have two rules in my office. They're very simple. Billy Weems could tell you right now. Number one, don't wait for me. 
If you wait for me, you and I are going to have problems. You better be one step ahead of me. The second rule, always bring me value. If that ditch needs to be dug and that shovel is sitting there, you better pick it up. A lot of employees need to understand this, right? Bring value to the organization. Figure out ways to benefit the organization. Do what I tell you in the book to leverage it to get paid. Oh, and by the way, when they don't pay you, leave. Punt. Go take that skill set to somebody who is going to pay you. Don't stay in a shitty job. Bust. Get on out of there. Core value number two of commercial fleet, personal happiness. We are here because we want to be here. I've had two people quit. Say, you know what? I don't like it here anymore. I'm not happy waking up. I give them a hug. Say, I'm so glad you did this. I love it. You, put our, you tested our core value. It didn't work, and now we part ways. I love you for that. Good luck. Right? Let's get into today. I'm teaching a module called the New Profit Paradigm. It exists in Business Finish School. It was our, one of our modules. It's module four in year one. Here's the formula. When I first saw this formula, I checked out. I just skipped right over this module. I'm like, I went to cooking school, man. I don't even know where we're going here, right? This makes no sense to me, okay? And I'm sure some of you have done the same thing. So let me just break it down real simple because it looks complicated, but it's super simple, and we're gonna walk through the whole exercise in the next half an hour. P4 is the profit side of our businesses. And at Business Finishing School, we say we should break it up into four categories. The first is profit. The second is our people. The third is our planet, and the fourth is our purpose, and I'm going to walk you through all four of those. We're going to do exercises after each one. You're going to turn to a perfect stranger. You're going to tell them what, those, what the answers are, and then we're going to come back to the next one. The whole thing's going to take us no more than five minutes each, so don't get crazy about it. Over to the right-hand side, we have R2. That stands for recurring revenue. If you guys just go in the book, you'll see uh, where you can take notes. We at Business Finishing School believe that your revenue should be recurring. In any opportunity, you want your business and your rev gen to be on autopilot. However, mine isn't. We're broke on the first of every month at my office, right? We don't have recurring revenue. But I happen to own half of a business that, anyone? Does have recurring revenue. Anybody know what that business is called? Uh, business finishing school. You got it? You got to find ways in your business to create recurring revenue. Mr. Sapio tells us in all of the private equity deals that he has done that a business that has established and provable recurring revenue can sell for 10 times as much as the business that is an eat what you kill model. Okay? And then the last one with the arrow pointing down is EV. And we reference that as expenses should become variable in every case that you can do it, okay? So we're gonna get into it here real quick. If you guys will just turn to your first page there in the workbook, we're gonna talk about profit. Uh, core value number one in commercial fleet company profits. Our creative spirit cannot be realized to the fullest extent without consistent profitability. I would like to ask uh, of a raise of a hands in this audience, who could recite your number one core value in your company. Cold, not read it. Okay, three. It's awesome. Okay, guys, we need to have that to be 80%.
you need to know your core values. You need to have your core values. We'll give you an opportunity in business finishing school to have them. By the way, number one core value in my personal life too, to be a better father to my three boys than my father was to me, right? Dictates everything for me, okay? So that's what we teach in business finishing school. What are your core values both in your business and in your personal life? Let's go through this real quick. I wanna give you real tangible ways that you can increase the profit in your business. Number one, go see your customers more. Get out of your office, carry the bag, jump on a Southwest Airlines flight, fill the tank up with gas, go stay in a Hampton Inn, get the free breakfast, and knock on the doors of your customers more. Get out of your office. Number one reason why we can't get out of our office? Anyone? Keep going, you guys got it. Too busy, don't have time, too many problems, don't trust the people. Who's going to sign the checks, right? Who's going to open and close? Who's going to unload the trucks? Who's going to work the forklift? You don't want businesses like that, but we're going to go into more. So number one, go see your best customers. Talk to your best customers. Number two, hire more salespeople, right? Who would like to hire more salespeople in, there, in the room? Right. Do we know how to do it? Right? How do we do it? We teach it in the module, the 5200% rule. Use that. Number three, use free marketing tools better. Get your social media popping. I would love to say that I'm great on social media. I'm not. I'm just a little bit active, maybe more active than others. But I would not say that I'm great about it. Dee, will you help me with this? I missed this. Will you bring it back for me? Sorry about that. I don't know what I pushed. There you go, buddy. Thank you. Okay? But it's free. Figure out how to use it more. We have, not, we have no modules on social media in business finishing school. We probably don't have an intention to do much of that. We might bring a speaker in at the next boot camp to talk about it, but remember, our founder uses a flip phone, okay, y'all? I can't even text him a picture of my kids, all right? It's not a huge thing for us, but it does matter in the marketplace because it's free. Number three, build new strategic partnerships. Talk to your vendors. How could we partner more? What could we do together, right? So we have chiropractors in here, right? Maybe there's a, uh, a vendor who sells, you, who sells you your adjustment tables, right? What could you do? Could you put on a combo training session for elderly people who are in car accidents that need to be adjusted to get healthy again? The vendor brings the tables, you do the adjustment, the lawyer ambulance chaser brings the clients, you guys rent out a room and you do a training session on it. That's utilizing strategic partnerships a little bit better. Find unique niches that you can become a leader in. There are riches in niches. Generalists do not get paid as much as experts. So I would just challenge you in all of your businesses, think of how you can become an expert rather than a generalist, okay? And we can go deeper in that and talk uh, for more specific questions. But I believe most of us are throwing way too wide of a net when it comes to our desire for profitability. And we are nowhere near as specific as we need to be. I hate to, hate to keep coming back to my own personal example, but a commercial fleet, we only finance in four industries. Trucking, towing, construction, and moving. If you're in the restaurant business, I can't help you. If you want to buy real estate, we don't do it. If you need medical equipment, don't know who to call. But if you want to buy a truck or a bulldozer or a tow truck or a moving truck, call us. 
That specificity is the sole purpose that the company has grown at the rate that it has. Because for a long time I was a generalist, right? And nobody looked at us as an expert, okay? The last one, become laser focused on your financial statements and drive efficiencies within your operation. I would challenge our group that we aren't that great at really understanding how to read our financial statements. And therefore, we're leaving a lot of money on the table. And I'm going to show you an exercise at the end here where I'm going to show you how simple it is to take $2,000 a month and turn it into a million bucks. In fact, we should make that as the goal here. That our goal after this presentation is to help you through this exercise find two Gs a month that, oh, when I'm going to show you at the end, that you can sock it away and it'll turn into a million dollars. So that might be the real giveaway for you guys, the real takeaway for all of us. How do we take this information to find 2,000 bucks a month to be able to turn it into a million dollars over a specific period of time? And I'm going to show you that example, okay? Can we commit to that? That we're going to think about what we're talking about to find two Gs. So don't beat yourself up. You're not looking for $20,000 a month. We're looking for $2,000 a month, okay? How can I take some of these ideas and put it into my business to make $2,000 a month? If I work for somebody, how can I find $2,000 worth of additional value in this, in this exercise that I can bring to my organization, that I can leverage to my boss to get paid, okay? So here's the first takeaway. At the bottom of your sheet, we ask you to put five topics in which you can transform and increase your profits now. So do us a favor, write those down right now. Five ways, if you're an employee and you're still saying, how am I gonna do this? Figure it out. What do you know your organization should be doing that they are not doing that you could put your name tag on and take credit for? Okay, cool. So um, I hope that was enough time. We'll have to gauge it because we got three more of those. But here's where it is important. I really do want you to stand up and I want you to go to somebody that you haven't talked to at the event, and I want you to do this idea exchange. And here's why. Because if you take someone who might be in the, in the medical industry and you put them with someone just in a, in a random who might be in the, in the legal industry, there may be an incredible idea exchange that happens there and you pick up one or two ideas. So let's stand up, go to somebody that you haven't talked to, and share one or two of the things you're gonna do to transform your profits. Thank you guys for playing along on that exercise. I hope it was beneficial. <clears throat> what, what a, I mean, I've been to so many conferences where you just can't get that to happen, where people just won't get out of their box. They won't talk. So thank you, everybody. Give yourselves a round of applause, all of us, for starting to get comfortable as we're 24 hours in. That was great. Um, we're going to move to the next section of the P4 concept, left-hand side of the new profit paradigm, where we talk about people. Um, my trainer is here, Justin Blevins. He's the big guy in the red uh, jacket right there. I, give him a shout out. He helped me lose 50-something pounds in four months, a week ahead of my birthday, which was our goal, 50 by 50. So that was awesome. But it was so, so much more than just doing workouts and stuff like that. It was really it was really finding a new trusted person in my life. And, and he re probably remembers this day. I don't think we've talked about it since. But um, I remember working out. I think I was on the bike, buddy. And I just had this incredible feeling of remorse come over me about how poorly I treated people at my company. 
And I remember, I hope you remember, I just got off the bike. I said, pray for me, man. Pray for me. Right? And he did. He, I felt like I got, I got cleansed of all those years of terrible guilt that I had towards my relationship to our employees. Um, it was never about money. It was always about, can I help them reach their potential? I just had no idea how to tap into them and help them with it. And so that's why this section of people is so important to me because I think our company's made a tremendous transformation of really being far more focused about our people than we are our profits. Um, and I think it's a requirement in business today. I just don't think companies can grow unless this people piece is highly focused on, highly discussed, worked on, cultivated, and turned into a reality. And it's very hard for entrepreneurs. Because as entrepreneurs, we want to just push the hill up the rock. And what I'm suggesting to you under this section of the module is, you can push all you want. But if you want to scale, you've got to have people. There is no glamour in a one-person business, period. And so when you start to get to scale, you need people. You need salespeople, you need accounting, you need IT, you need marketing, you need people. And so you've got to get good at this. I challenge everybody, please take the time to really understand what we're about to go into because it can transform your business and your business must transform in humanity and the understanding of people if it's ever going to survive. If you miss this, you can't do what I did, which was just push with such force it will not work anymore. There was this period of time in humanity where we were able to do it. You can't do it anymore. The younger generation won't put up with it, okay? So we gotta get to know our people better. That's the first suggestion I have for you in the P4. Take personality tests. Hands, anybody in the audience give personality tests to their staff? Oh, killer, nice. Tells you the story. Right? Tells you what's going on. Uh, Rick and I took a personality test together uh, to determine who we were before we went into business together. Turns out it's pretty damn close. Um, but don't I want to know that? Don't you want to know that? Don't you want to know whether your, per, your, your employee cares more about ambition versus attention to detail? It's so vital. And they're everywhere now. At my company, we use a thing called a predictive index, the PI test. Anybody use that one? It's good, it's easy, right? Uh, there's the DISC test, there's the Myers-Briggs, there's really a lot of them. But I'm telling you, this is so important to get this people piece right that you have to start taking personality tests so you understand how to communicate with your people better. Okay, number two under that one is get out of your office more. Don't just sit in the corner. Get out of the office, walk the warehouse, talk to your people, tap them on the shoulder and say, good morning, hello, how are you doing? What's going on with the kids? Right? Very hard for entrepreneurs to do. Why? We really don't care. Right? I'm challenging us. We have to start to care more. It's vital for the future success of our organizations, this element of people. Celebrate, number two, celebrate more in your workplace. Why not? Like really, what does it cost to give out a $10 Starbucks card? 
No, think about it. What does it cost? Come on. Ten bucks. Upside? How about thousands? Is that reasonable? Is it reasonable to say that if somebody received a $10 Starbucks coffee card that maybe it bought you $1,000 worth of value or buy-in or trust or commitment? Is that a reasonable thing? It's a pretty good investment, y'all. Ten bucks for something much, much, much greater. It's a wonderful trade to celebrate more. Celebrate birthdays. Celebrate Valentine's Days. Do more celebrations. Okay? Number three, hold your people accountable with clearly defined objectives and expectations. Right? We don't, we underestimate how our employees actually want to do an incredible job. We want to do good work for the people that sign our checks. It's just the people that sign our checks that do such a lousy job explaining what we're supposed to do to win their attention and feel good about it, right? Bad work is very rarely the, 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 the problem of the employee. It is often the problem of the leader, right? There's a guy, Jocko Willick. Who knows Jocko Willick, right? What does Jocko say about leadership and teams? That's his book, yep. Jocko, thank you, Chris. Jocko says there are no bad teams, only bad leaders, okay? Isn't that a really interesting way to look at it? I mean, how many of us have bitched and moaned about that crappy, deadbeat employee, right? If you just do what Jocko says, there are no bad, deadbeat, lazy employees. There are only bad leaders working to help that person. It's totally different, okay? So hold your people accountable so they know what they can do. Next, listen to your people. Easiest way, quick takeaway, just install a suggestion box. Just put it in your break room, right? Just put it outside your office. How about that? Okay? And then open the damn thing and look at it every once in a while. Make sure somebody puts something in, right? Those, by the way, should be totally anonymous. You shouldn't be a handwriting expert. You shouldn't be looking for who you know, dotted this and crossed that so you can figure out who did it. You just want the data. And the reality is people just want to be heard, okay? So in the people category, go to the workbook. Five things that you will do when you get back to the office on Monday to improve your relationship with your people. Okay, guys, I want to just do that talk to a stranger one more time because I think our tribe, our audience at BFS, really probably has a lot of good ideas in this people category. Right? I get the feeling that our tribe is very much emotionally involved and has a desire to help our people that we work with. So this is one I really do want to do the idea exchange with, and I'll probably skip on the next two just in the order of time. But let's get together with a stranger and talk about some of the things that you're making suggestions of, of how you can improve your relationship with your people when you get back on Monday. All right, we'll go two minutes of Kenny G. All right, Darius? All right, all right, all right. <clears throat> I hope I was right about that. I hope I was right about that, about our tribe, that the people piece would be meaningful. And so with that said, I'd love to just ask anybody in the, in the audience that heard something that really said, that's one thing that I want to do when it comes to my people on Monday. Anybody? Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yes, Casey.
food. Everybody needs to have goals and objectives. Everybody, right? So we define goals and objectives for the company, then we define for the management team, who then defines for the frontline employees. Everybody has to have it, okay? But I want to just stay on the people thing. Any great idea that, some, that was exchanged? Yes, Mike. Cool. Yeah, that's great. By the way, maybe somebody who doesn't want to take the personality test might be somebody that you don't want to necessarily work with, right? Okay, great. Let's talk about uh, number three of the P4, planet. This is such a big deal. It really is becoming a big deal. And I think it's important for our businesses to get a flavor of why we think it's so important. Number one, what's your carbon footprint? How much paper are you using? How much fuel are you burning, right? Is there the opportunity to create a ride-share environment within your employee base, right? What could we do to reduce that carbon footprint? Now look, we finance trucks, y'all. Carbon footprint ain't necessarily high on our thing, a planet, okay? But I ain't driving them. I'm just the money man behind them, right? And the trucking industry is coming with electric trucks. Period, end of story. They are coming. It won't take over 100%, but they are coming. It's a big deal for a lot of companies. Let's talk about number two, because our company is much more involved with this, and I would challenge you to make this happen in your company too, which is volunteer in the community more. Your employees want to do it. They want to go to the pet shelter. They want to do toys for tots. They want to do Habitat for Humanity. They want to do cool stuff on the weekends, and if you're really smart, you let them bust out at 3 o'clock one day, and they go from 3 to 5, and they get the rest of the afternoon off, okay? The other thing that happens when you're doing it right is if you get some photographers. By the way, you can find, and this is not the case with our guys, and I'm not discounting our team at all. These guys work for uh, BFS and Commercial Fleet full-time, both Z and Courtney and Billy. Um, but you do have the ability to subcontract out a photographer or a videographer very, very easily. It's called Craigslist Videographer Dallas. I need you for two hours to video our company at Habitat for Humanity building a house. Okay? Push that out on the web. Maybe the local newspaper picks it up. They do a profile story on you guys. And maybe somebody reads it and says, that's the kind of company I want to go work for. Okay? That's the movement, gang. Uh, let's talk about share profits with charities that are meaningful within your industry, or your company, or people. Uh, that is the movement. Uh, I'll share this with everybody, and I think Rick will talk about it in a minute. And we talked about it at our Lunch and Learn. Uh, business finishing school for every black belt that gets purchased, we will now give away a free black belt to a third world country. We are moving business finishing school into a global entrepreneurial teaching mode. What's beautiful about that program is not that we're giving one away, it's that when you buy a black belt, you will learn through Zoom the person that we gave the black belt to in the third world country. And you will develop a relationship with that person. And you'll begin to help perhaps someone in India or in Africa or in South America teach them through business finishing school entrepreneurship. Think about how you might be able to do something like that in your office. And then diversity programs. We raised a lot of hands when I said, how many people want to hire salespeople? You know the fastest way to hire a salesperson? Start doing internships. 
Not free internships. I'm not talking about scamming anybody. But for 12 bucks an hour, 14 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour, you can hire a lot of people that need resume building for a summer. And you know what you do? Here's the script. Here's the phone. Here's the client base. Good luck to you. Right? Just hire sales staff. Every afternoon, sit them down, debrief, train them, love on them, tell them you care, ask them about their hobbies, work on your people skills, and before you know it, three months down the road, who knows how much they generated for you, right? You helped them, they helped you. Okay, plan it. Five things that you could do on Monday, write them down, that might address this issue that goes on in society, and probably in most companies we can do a better job of, okay? We're gonna take just two minutes on that. Okay, guys, we'll come back to this. Just in the spirit of time, I'm gonna move a little bit faster here. We're not gonna do that group exercise, and we're gonna to move to the last element of the P4, purpose. This, by far, in my opinion, is the most difficult element of the four Ps. What do we really stand for, right? What does the company exist for? Uh, why do we do what we do? And it is the biggest challenge within, I think, most of our lives. And we give what I believe is a tremendous roadmap to calculate it, to figure it out, to explore it, to see what it is. But regardless of the road roadmap, there really is no finish line to the road, right? I mean, it's an ongoing process, right? There is version 1.0 and 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 of all of us, right? We have what my friend Justin Blevins calls seasons. We got good seasons and we got bad seasons. But I can challenge you that if you figure out the purpose of the organization through core values and mission statement and catalyzing statements, that life does get better, okay? Um, the big question becomes there, and look, I know we all talk about the why and all that stuff. I'm just not a why guy. Like, I ain't searching for my why. Like, to me, it's such a waste. What's your why? That's like such a cop-out. I don't even get it. How about you just take some freaking action moving forward, right? That why will pop in every once in a while. If you run at a high enough frequency, you'll find your freaking Okay? Way too many people are sitting on their ass trying to figure out what their why is. I think it's overused. Purpose? Different. What am I doing it for? Is it a high value activity or a low value activity? What is the ROI on it? Who does it impact? Who does it help? How much personal satisfaction do I get from it? That's a different story. But this search for my why, dude, sooner or later you're either the teacher or you're the student. You got me on that? I mean, shit, how many of these things do we have to go to before we put it into play, get the benefits from, and then we begin to share the crap out of it with the world? That, to me, is purpose. But to be floating in it and sitting in it and looking for it, man, I haven't found my why. I haven't found my... Dude, you haven't found your why? Because you ain't pushing hard enough. Let's take a minute. <laughs> and write down our five things. Do one, one thing that you could do between now and Monday that might help you get closer to what this thing called purpose is. And if you don't already know what my answer would be, it would be take more action. And so what would that action step be that you would put in play on Monday that would drive you closer to this thing called purpose? And just put a big freaking X through the Y. In the sake of time, because we do have to keep pushing and keep moving, 
Let me ask you guys a question on the P4. We were looking to figure out, could we come up with IdeaGen that might make us $2,000 a month? Does anyone feel like as we complete that P4 that you may have come up with some idea that could help you generate $2,000 a month? Just raise your hand. You don't have to talk about it. Just raise your hand. Cool. Cool. Let's go to the recurring revenue piece. I'm going to work through this very, very quickly. The reason we want recurring revenue is we don't fight brokenness every month. We have a greater saleability of the business. It takes the heat off, right? We know that X number of dollars are coming in every month, and it allows us to do some pretty good budgeting from it. It's very, very, very difficult to budget without a recurring revenue model, OK? So we, I talk about the quote up top, a company with recurring revenue can be worth 10x the company without it. According to Rick, I believe him 100%. And let's go through some examples of recurring revenue. Number one, create a monthly membership model. Um, BFS, right? right? Let's be straight. We get paid whether you log into the system or not. Sounds like a pretty good business to me. If you don't do it, well, I'm fine. I'm sad about it. I want to get on the phone and try to help you with it. But we get paid. And that's what we're talking about here. How do you create a little bit of recurring revenue so you get paid, OK? So what could, a what could a membership model look like, right? Just think about it. I mean, just let's go off the top of our head real quick. Membership models look like, yes, sir? Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Anybody? Love it. Love it. Hairstylists could do the same thing, right? Book the appointment before they leave. That is a version of recurring revenue. Does anybody understand what I just said there? Especially for our chiropractors or doctors in the office, right? When you book the appointment after the first appointment, that is a version of recurring revenue. It's not 100% recurring revenue because cancellations, but you don't have 100% recurring revenue on Netflix either, right? But what do most chiropractors, what do most hairstylists do? What do most opportunities like that do? What? Hey, give us a call next time you're in pain. What if we just wrote it on the calendar? What if it happened 50% of the time starting next week? Do you think you might feel better about your business? Do you think you might say, my revenue is more steady, and therefore I might be able to make better decisions? Of course. Let's keep going on this. Create a subscription model, newsletter, magazine, anything along those lines in which you could collect a few bucks from. Uh, Chris mentioned this, own technology that is unique to your company, that is a value add, that is a balance sheet item, you all. Right? Does everybody understand what I mean by that? If you develop a piece of software, even though it's totally proprietary to your business, it does sit on the asset column of your balance sheet. But what happens if you can then license it out to your industry? It doesn't have to be fancy. By the way, Grant Cardone got his start doing that. He created something called ePencil. Anybody know what ePencil is? The car business? Right? That was Cardone all those years ago. Recurring revenue model still used today in some dealerships. Create service plans. Anybody in the air conditioning business, plumbing business in here, anybody like that? Sign your customers up on a recurring revenue stream for service. And then build out training courses that help your clients run a better business. It's actually what we're doing with commercial fleet. Right? Let's take a minute. Jot down some ideas that you could put into play on Monday that might help you increase a recurring revenue model within your business. Okay, cool. We're going to move on to the next one here, and then we're going to finish up. 
Thanks, everybody, for staying with me, coming down after lunch. Maybe if we didn't have Kenny G, we might be a little bit bumped up, but whatever. That's not, it's not, I don't have the turntable, all right? Here's the deal. Huh? All right. All right, cool. Thank you, buddy. The last EV, the expenses at, in every case should be analyzed to become variable versus fixed. Okay? When Rick created this content, there, there, the opportunities for variable expenses were so different, right? There was no shared workspace. There was no shared ride services. There was no third-party solution providers, right? So it was actually, this, this P4 over R2 and EV was a little bit ahead of its time in its own way. But today, it's completely apropos. So how could you reduce your expenses? We put outsourcing staff. Now, remember, in the first section of this, I talked about how important your people are. And on this section, I'm talking about outsourcing staff. Okay? You guys got to figure that one out. All right? My personal opinion is, if there's a value gen, then people deserve to stay. If there isn't, it should be outsourced. I'll give you a perfect example in my office. Uh, we no longer have an in-house IT manager. He cost us $125,000 a year and flirted with the receptionist every morning. Okay? We outsourced it to a third-party provider. It cost us $47,000 a year. They probably have, I don't know, 200 employees. They're on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. They don't flirt with my receptionist. They don't call in sick, right? Perfect example of it, okay? Perfect example, save me 80 Gs. One decision, executed upon, put 80 grand to the bottom line of the company, okay? Think about who is the frustrating point in your organization, the person that you know aren't bringing value to the organization, and can you outsource it? What can you do without having to have fixed expenses every day, whether they are motivated by you or not? Okay, let's keep moving. Provide smaller base salaries and larger commissions for your salespeople to lower your fixed costs. I do not believe in paying people for time. I don't care how long you worked for my company. I don't give you a raise because it's been 12 months. It doesn't matter to me. I'll give you a 400% raise after 90 days if you bring me a ton of value. And I won't give you a raise after two years just because it's been two years. By the way, let's get straight on this money thing. Just coming back to you need more money for a second. I don't know what you guys are giving out as pay raises to your employees, but if you work in an environment where you're giving three, four, five, six percent pay raises, shame on your organization. You are not helping your employee. If somebody's making 50 G's a year and you, the omnipresent, wonderful employer, gives them a 5% pay raise after 12 months, what did you do? Nothing. You gave them 2,500 bucks, they're still broke. You didn't fix their world. Why not train them on how to build value, bring skill set to your organization, and give them a $50,000 raise when they take some of this stuff inside of Business Finishes School, find ways to bring value to your organization, and add 500 grand to your top line. That's the environment that you want. 
Hell, you don't want to be working with people that take a 5% pay raise and say, honey, we got paid. I've been there four years. You guys, the market doesn't benefit that anymore, gang. The newer generation, that doesn't even resonate with them. In fact, it reminds me of the cameraman at Commercial Fleet, who a number of years ago, I gave him a 10% raise. I took him from $40,000 a year to $44,000 a year. And the minute I told him he was making $44,000, he got this frown on his face. I said, what's the matter, man? I just gave you a raise. You look like you're not. He's like, he's like, I didn't realize I was making $40,000 a year. I'm like, you dumb shit. It's my job to tell you how much you're making? You don't even know how much you're making? I just gave you a 10% raise and you're pissed? Come on, man. You don't want to be in that environment. Oh, let's keep rock and roll. Increased performance bonuses for staff versus increasing base salaries. Force your people through objectives, KPIs, to do a better job and bring more value. Don't just pay for time, okay? Require your vendors to produce revenue and share in the profits. I'm gonna give you a perfect example of this. Can anyone think of a great way in which hiring someone, this must be the required payment plan to keep EV? Anybody? Stay with me, come on, work with me on this one. We got four minutes. Exactly, who said that? Exactly. Advertising and marketing. How many people have paid for an advertising or marketing service and got the old shaft of Rooney? Come on. Guys, if you haven't paid for a marketing or an advertising program and you got the shaft on, you got to get your head in the game. Okay? What if you just did EV? And you said, you know what? I'm only going to hire you and pay you when the results of your efforts put dollars in my bank. And then instead of you paying five grand a month, I'll pay you $8,000 a month. See, I work on a pay-to-play environment, Mr. Marketing Company, Mr. Social Media Guy, Mr. Copywriter, Mr. Newsletter Creator, right? Mr. Hit you up in your DM on LinkedIn and Instagram, say, hey man, how come you only got 10,000 followers? I can get you 20,000 followers, right? I'll do your PR, man. I'll get you booked on podcasts. Great. Let's do it under a pay-to-play environment first, okay? That will sort people out, okay? Um, and then lastly, or second to last, who knows the story of Witch Witch, the sandwich shop in Dallas, Texas? Anybody? I'll tell you the story real quick. Rick knows the guy really well. Um, guy owned a place called Genghis Grill. Anybody know that? Those sort of round Asian places. He got completely hosed by his partner. He took on an investor, and um, in the investment contract, it said that if the guy was one day late on the debt service on Genghis Grill, that he would forfeit his ownership in Genghis Grill. And he was two days late one time, and the guy executed the contract, and this guy got hosed out of Genghis Grill. Started from zero again with a company called Witch Witch, a little sandwich shop. He had no money. He went downtown Dallas, found a vacant, office, a, a vacant little restaurant, and he went to the landlord and said, I cannot pay you rent, but I can build something out of this. I have a concept that I think will work, but I just need you to share in the rev gen versus making my rent fixed. So for every dollar I bring in at the sandwich shop, I'll give you a high percentage of it. The landlord said yes, we have 500 sandwich shops now, okay? EV, not fixed, variable, portion of rev, 
Okay, and then lastly, on the uh, equipment side of things, think about renting or leasing versus paying cash for your equipment. Let me just touch on that real quick. It is my space. Um, it is a little bit of a Dave Ramsey-ish type of thing, right? Own it, own it, own it, own it. I don't really understand that when it comes to equipment because the only thing I see with our customers who own their equipment outright is it breaks down a lot, it looks like shit, and it puts them into false positive. There is something to be said about a little bit of debt service, not fixed debt service, variable debt service that keeps you on your toes, okay? I have 27 seconds to go, so I'm gonna finish. Whoops. D, could you help me on that? Thank you, buddy. Okay, I told you how to take $2,000 and turn it into a million bucks. Here it is, I'm not, I went to cooking school as I told you. It's simple, it's a simple math program. If you take $2,000 and get a 6% annual return, in 21 years, you'll have $1,017,418. It doesn't matter, by the way. If you start at 20, it's 41. If you start at 30, it's 51. If you start at 40, it's 61. If you're 50, it's 71. The math doesn't change. Could you take what we talked about today and find an extra two Gs a month to be put away at 6% a year for 21 years to have your million bucks? I would really challenge the group, if we didn't do it together, get into this exercise in that workbook and figure out how to find $2,000 a month. Now, I do have some people that I've spoken to about this and they've been like, dude, I, I got two grand's no big deal. I'm like, okay, great, I hope there are some people like that. Let's look at four Gs. What happens if you found $48,000 a year that you put away at 6%, you get a million bucks in 14 years? The question team is, is time marches on. Right? Are we stacking and racking? Are we putting away the money? It's a very simple formula. It's a math problem. It's not a math problem. It's a math problem. And it sits up there for us. So the challenge, the big takeaway is, could you use this deep dive to find $2,000 a month? By the way, 6% easy to get. Easy to get. Teresa is the person you want to talk to about that. I hope I'm not making promises for you. But 6% is not that difficult to get. In 21 years, it's worth a million bucks. Put four grand away, in 14 years, it's worth a million bucks, okay? That is my challenge for you. Find the two Gs, do something with it over time, and get to where you think you need to go. Thanks, everybody, okay? That's our episode this week with your host, Matt Monero. Check us out every Friday at 12 p.m. Central as we discuss money, your life, and how you need more money.